0: When we're in seasons of waiting, we often face fierce attacks and fiery arrows from the enemy. But through the hills and valleys of waiting on the wonder, God calls us to be faithful and reminds us that He is ever-present. Today on Bloom, we'll discover God's protection and provision on every side during the enemy's attacks when we walk in faithfulness to Him. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for May 6, 2022. welcome to bloom this is a podcast designed to inspire encourage and grow women in their relationship with each other and the lord last month we began a new series called waiting on the wonder lessons in the life of joseph in seasons of waiting on god waiting to step into our calling or purpose waiting on a fulfillment of a dream we have so much to glean from joseph's story for a quick recap we meet joseph in genesis chapter 37 he is the favored son of Jacob, living a relatively cushy life in Canaan with his 11 brothers. One night, Joseph has a dream that one day his family would bow down to him. Out of sheer jealousy and an attempt to keep this dream from coming to fruition, Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery and Joseph finds himself in a foreign land, stripped of his father's favor and protection. We discuss two lessons from the life of Joseph. When God is preparing us for the great purpose he has for us, he will oftentimes allow us to be stripped of the thing or things that matter most to us. So our dependency is on him alone. And lesson number two, being positioned alone in the pit, enables God to direct our destiny. We wouldn't place ourselves in the pit, but God intentionally puts us there, bringing what seems to be an unfavorable circumstance To lead us toward his purpose for us. Today, we're going to discover how God faithfully watched over Joseph and gave him great favor, even while facing a strong spiritual attack and being wrongfully accused. If you missed part one of this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen. We started off talking about the title Waiting on the Wonder. Now, for some clarification as we study this story, the word waiting means the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. While the word wonder, when used as a noun, means a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Joseph's story begins as a dream, awaiting God's divine fulfillment. Joseph was waiting until that particular time for God to bring forth something beautiful, unexpected, and inexplicable. He was waiting on the wonder. Today we're going to dive into two more lessons from the life of Joseph, and we're picking up in chapter 39 in Genesis I'm going to go ahead and read the whole chapter through. It's 23 verses long, so it's not that long. And then we will start to unpack it. So Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down from there. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said to his master's wife, Behold, But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him in the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, "'whom you have brought among us, came in to me to laugh at me. "'But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, "'he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. "'As soon as his master heard the words "'that his wife spoke to him, "'this is the way your servant treated me.' "'His anger was kindled. "'And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, "'the place where the king's prisoners were confined, "'and he was there in prison.' So Joseph is brought to Egypt and begins working for Potiphar, who was, as scripture says, a captain of the guard. Joseph found favor with Potiphar and is entrusted to oversee his entire estate. But just when Joseph thinks that things might be looking up for him, like maybe Egypt isn't quite so bad, he comes under attack at the hands of Potiphar's wayward wife. Now, one of the most frustrating aspects of attacks is that it often feels so unjust. Here, Joseph is minding his business, doing right by God and Potiphar. And how does that turn out for him? He's wrongfully accused. Ultimately, Joseph's character comes under attack. The lies about him are believed, and he's sentenced to prison. But Joseph never wavered. He remains steadfast and faithful to God. And that brings us to our third lesson in the life of Joseph. Don't let the enemy frustrate your faithfulness when the attacks come. When you are waiting on the wonder, please know that it's never a matter of whether the attacks will come, but more about when and how. When God is getting ready to position you into your purpose, into your calling, your ministry, you will face attacks. It could be attacks on your finances, your health, your character, your relationships, your time. The enemy plots against us in any way he thinks will best trip us up and slow us down from moving forward. His goal is always to frustrate our faithfulness. Don Stewart once wrote, though the devil may attack at any time, he will always do it when he thinks it's to his advantage. Satan's number one goal in life is to kill, steal, and destroy. When he sets about his work, he is on the prowl to attempt to stop whatever God is doing. It may be fiery and fierce. It may be disheartening and draining. But know that whenever you have a call on your life or a God-given dream, the enemy of our soul gets right to work to discourage and disrupt whatever God has already destined. I want to talk about paying particular attention to the timing of the enemy's attacks. You see, Joseph, even though sold into slavery, now is experiencing a promotion to oversee Potiphar's estate. But he's also not quite to the point of his calling. He hasn't stepped into his purpose just yet. His dream is still unfulfilled. But here we read, The enemy attacks Joseph severely, in between his place of position with Potiphar and the fruition of his dream. And the timing of this attack is so key because it parallels Jesus' own attack attempt from Satan. Now notice I said attempt because the enemy is always going to attempt, but that doesn't mean he's going to succeed in his mission. We're going to see how the enemy's attack is sandwiched between a big win and the big picture of God's intended purpose. In Matthew chapter 3, we read about the moment when the word given to John the Baptist from God becomes real, and Jesus is baptized, and the Spirit of God rests on him. I'm just going to read portions of chapter 3 so we get a better grasp on this story. So I'd like you to join with me. It's Matthew chapter 3, and I'm just going to read the first three verses. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. So John has been preaching preparing the way for Jesus. Just as Joseph initially receives favor and is given a title and special position in Potiphar's house, We see the same thing happen to Jesus. He's proclaimed as the Son of God, demonstrating how he is the Messiah, the promised Deliverer. We're going to skip down now to verse 13, where it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Have you ever experienced a spiritually high moment only to find a discouraging attack to follow? I would imagine this was one of those spiritually high moments for those who were witnessing this long-awaited promise of a Messiah. This was no ordinary carpenter's son from Nazareth. This is the Son of God, the Son of the Great I Am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh, the Most High God. Israel had been waiting on this miracle. But then when we turn over just to the next chapter in chapter 4, we see Jesus comes under immediate attack of Satan in the desert. So I'm going to read a little bit of Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse 1. And it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus was attacked physically. He had been fasting for 40 days and nights and was hungry. Satan tempted him to turn a rock into bread. Satan offered Jesus position and authority, trying to discourage Jesus with what God had already destined. Jesus already had divine power and authority. Remember, before Abraham was, I am john 8 24. jesus was the plan of salvation saving us from our sins likewise god had already destined joseph for a plan of salvation maybe not a salvation from sin but joseph was more than a dreamer he was destined by god to fulfill a specific purpose of salvation for his chosen people israel now the lesson in this point of the story is not about anticipating the attacks but responding to the attacks in faithfulness. The Bible says Joseph was handsome, and Potiphar's wife took notice of that. But even though it might have been the easier route for Joseph to accept the invitation from Potiphar's wife, I mean, Potiphar wouldn't have to know, right? We see how Joseph responds to the temptation. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And Joseph doesn't just consider loyalty to Potiphar, but ultimately his faithfulness to God. Joseph wanted to do only what was acceptable and honoring to God. He resisted the temptation. And even though Potiphar's wife lied and accused Joseph, falsely sentencing him to prison, Joseph lived in faithfulness and complete allegiance to God. All the while, though, God was still positioning Joseph for the big picture of his purpose. And we see Jesus respond to Satan's attack in the same way. Jesus had a rebuttal backed by truth for every one of Satan's temptations, each one pointing back to God, just as Joseph did. When Satan tempted Jesus to turn the stones into bread, Jesus declared, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan then told Jesus to throw himself down from the highest point of the temple to see if the angels will come and save him. And Jesus replied, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then finally, Satan tries to lure Jesus with material possession and power over all the kingdoms. If only Jesus would bow down and worship him. But Jesus rebuked him, reminding Satan of the truth. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. When we are under attack, our number one strategy is not to fight, but to be faithful. Don't let the enemy frustrate your faithfulness. But Joseph isn't the only one in this story who can be credited as being faithful. There is one greater still whose faithfulness lasts forever and is beyond measure. When the attacks come, and they will, I want you to know that you are not alone. Our fourth lesson from the life of Joseph is even under attack, God's provision and presence always remains. If we look at the beginning of the chapter in verse two, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. So even as Joseph is entering this foreign land, being stripped of his father's favor and sold as a slave, scripture tells us God did not abandon Joseph. When Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph and he was placed in prison, you would wonder, where is God in that moment? How could God let this happen? But the chapter tells us that God was right with Joseph still, even in prison. You know, in prison, it would seem like the environment would be pressing out any opportunity for favor and blessing. Have you ever been there? Some circumstances we face appear so dim But God promises to never leave. We read in verse 21 through 23, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. The Lord was with Joseph. And not only was he with him, but he provided Joseph with divine favor in the face of discouraging adversity. Joseph didn't need his father Jacob's favor anymore. He had God's. He was alone and away from his homeland. He was in an Egyptian prison, yet the Lord was with him. Through it all, through the mountains and the valleys, God is with us. Psalm nine five says, You go before me and follow me. You placed your hand of blessing on my head. Wherever we are, the Lord is with us. From high positions to prison, God is still present. I want us to go back and consider again the parallel of Jesus being tempted in the desert. The Bible says that he was led By the Spirit. You know what that means? It means that he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit went before Jesus and remained with Jesus during the entire time he was attacked. And that same Spirit that led Jesus and remained with Jesus in the wilderness is the same Spirit that is with you and me now. In Matthew 28 20, Jesus speaking to his disciples says this promise I am with you always to the end of the age. And before we read that the Lord was with Joseph, there's a key phrase in verse 21 in the story where we read, but the Lord. Now, in some cases in scripture, we come across a similar phrase consisting of two of, in my opinion, the sweetest words in the Bible, but God. And I want you to take note of this. Anytime you see the words, but and God, or but and the Lord, In the same sentence, I want you to know that something extraordinary is about to happen. It usually appears within the space and time between the trial and the triumph. We're introduced to some form of cosmic conflict. Then we see God step in to set the chaos back in order, flipping evil on its head, and then unveiling the bigger story that was being written through the situation all along. Romans 6 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Matthew 19 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. David, who is fleeing from Saul, Saul was in hot pursuit to kill him. 1 Samuel 23, 14, it says, David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has given us when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. John Bloom, love the name by the way, wrote about the words, but God in this way, revel in these priceless words. Everything sweet and bitter that will occur between now and the moment of your death, God will work for your good and every glorious pleasure that you will ever enjoy in your future eternal life in his presence is because of the gospel of these two words, but God. I don't want you to treat these two words lightly. They are so profoundly important for us to acknowledge the relationship between the reality of our own inabilities and the evidence of God's supreme grace and power. Now, we'll see these two words again in this story, providing us a foretaste or a foreshadowing of the bigger story that's at hand. But what I love so much about these two pivotal words is that no matter how desperate the situation or how bleak the outcome may look, to our human comprehension, God never leaves our side. And not only that, but he knows our every plight. He's not limited by our position and he's not threatened by opposition. When the fiery darts are coming in from every side, God is not only our shield, he's our salvation. I want to go back to something I mentioned earlier. Remember how we discussed the timing of the enemy's attacks. Joseph was given position in Egypt by Potiphar, followed by an unjust and untrue accusation that placed him in prison. And likewise, we saw Jesus baptized and identified as the Son of God before being led into the wilderness to be tempted. But in Matthew 4, beginning in verse 12, we see Jesus' public ministry begin. It says in verse 12, a light has dawned from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The enemy's attack was sandwiched between promotion and purpose. Joseph experienced the promotion in Potiphar's house and is now in a new kind of pit prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. The purpose he had divinely established for Joseph is getting ready to be unleashed. And the wait for the wonder is getting closer and closer to be revealed. When you're waiting on the wonder, don't let the enemy frustrate your faithfulness when the attacks come. But also remember that even under attack, God's provision and presence always remains. So grateful that you tuned into Bloom today. Next month, we'll be wrapping up our Waiting on the Wonder series, Lessons in the Life of Joseph. Love for you to join us back next month. In the meantime, keep growing and God bless.